Hello there and welcome to episode 81 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. My name is Gary Turner, your host. Thank you so much for joining myself today and also John Stamler, who is the guest. Um, I just wanted to share a couple of my early stage um, takeaways with you, um, just to whet your appetite for this really sensational conversation. I don't use that word that often. Um, John spoke about the fact uh, as someone, as an angel investor and also a multiple mentor of a range of different startups. He spoke about Ben King from Pesky Fish, one of the startups, um, advising that they have figured out a way to get fish into central London within six hours and giving the best prices to the fishermen that they've ever seen. Look at that for a beautiful example of solving a real life problem through ingenuity, connection and through a vision. So it's absolutely amazing and what John speaks to there is that real stories about trying to make the whole experience better is something that really, really, really inspires him. So it gives you a little bit of a measure as to John, who you'll learn more about shortly. Also, I found it really interesting as John spoke about the fact that as a startup, you can only control your costs early on and you can't control your revenue. Just a really interesting reflection that for me. When I think about my experience within a big global corporate within which I still work, um, you can control your costs once you're established. However, there's still a myopic focus on revenue. And again, it's still out of control anyway, um, based on market demand, market situation. Um, But once you do become more mature, there is definitely more of an opportunity to control the costs. However, at what cost? You know, is that a command and control cost that you stifle innovation or something else going on? So there are a couple of my initial um, advanced reflections I wanted to share with you. Enjoy this conversation with John Stamler. He's an absolutely awesome human being. I learned so much from him, and I'm sure there'll be some takeaways from you as well. And as always, we're grateful for your feedback, challenges, or any other constructive feedback that you may have. And in order that we can reach more people with this deeply human conversation, if you wouldn't mind sharing a review, ideally five stars, if it meant that much to you, on iTunes, that would be greatly appreciated. Enjoy the conversation with John and myself now. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And this morning, I'm really excited to introduce you, the listener, to John Stamler, who John is an awesome human. We had a chat just now, actually, about uh, how I should introduce him. And he's just got too many interesting things going on. So, John, if you can introduce yourself, that'd be awesome. <laughs> hey, Gary. Um, yeah, first name's John Lessam Stamler. I've been a, uh, I'll keep it simple, but a distressed investor for 20 plus years. A mentor, advisor, rare disease survivor. I'm on the board of a nonprofit for people with rare diseases, which is a global organization I'm quite passionate about. Um, survive one rare disease, live with two others, and um, passionate about um, supporting uh, entrepreneurs, both as a mentor, as an advisor, as a board member, um, you know, throughout their ecosystem, been doing that probably for the last four plus years. And um, on, on both sides of the pond, as you can tell, I'm American, but I've lived in the UK for 18 years. Fantastic. Th- thanks so much, Dad, John. There's, there's lots and lots for us to discuss on this conversation. If I, I'd like to start, actually, if I may, just with a bit of your background, because I find it really interesting that you did a, a degree in economics and organizational behavior. So it seems like you've always been curious about people from early on, John. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that's probably ingrained through my dad, but um, uh, his career on Wall Street, and despite being a very successful guy, he's just a down-to-earth good man who was always about his people, people working for him. So 
yeah, just always trying to figure out, you know, about people, what make people, what makes people tick. And like, it's not even what I've always said to people and entrepreneurs is like, I don't think it's that hard to manage people. I just think it's, you just have to figure out what, what drives them, what excites them, what, you know, and get under there and just be a human rather than treating them like robots or, you know, like you work on a factory and they, you don't care about your people. So. And what sort of, how have you found that? Because I think it's a really interesting reflection you just shared there, which is, you know, I joke quite a lot on this podcast, John, that we're sort of, there's a lot of talk about automation and the robots are coming. Yeah, exactly as you just spoke to, it's quite ironic that we've sort of roboticized work for so long now that we're sort of waking up to the yep. fact we can't work as robots, uh, you know, going forward with the, the, you know, the volatility we deal with. So wait, what was your, sorry, your question... Yes, yeah, so I, I was just really interested in how you see that shaping up within maybe some of the, the textiles mentoring that you do in that you're very passionate about the human being um, behind the job title and the humans actually doing the work. Yet so often within society, people are fearing automation, etc. I just wondered what you're seeing within your sort of sphere of influence and work around that shift towards more human working. I mean, look, like the most recent cohort coming out of the, the 2019 program, I mean, a lot of them... It, you know, like a great example is two women doing biodegradable and organic tampons called on again, it's two passionate inspirational entrepreneurs who've come up with the idea and are crushing it. And it's a really awesome human story about, you know, two people passionate and have got a team that they've built around it. And the thing I always say to them and any of any other entrepreneurs, like early on, you have to get the culture right. And then look, it ultimately kind of morphs into whatever it morphs into. But if you get the culture wrong, as you know, Gary, it's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, and, you know, automation is fine. Like if you're doing, you're doing tech stuff, but ultimately it's still got to be built by people. It's still got to be passionate people that are passionate about the mission, the vision, the strategy and where you're going with your business. So, you know, automation, whether it's at the bank level or whether it's at, obviously in, in healthcare and, or even just some back office stuff, that's fine. And that's, that's good because that's, that, you know, that's what people want, but ultimately it still has to be built by people that are humans. Like that's just the fact of life. I mean, it, obviously there's, I think another one example is there's a company that's called Seize AI, which is a drone business that's trying to do it, take it from, you know, one, one man, one drone um, at a, at a site to being able to do it remotely and scalable and, and, they're absolutely, they're on a really good tra tra trajectory and they've got a phenomenal team of, of developers, tech people, engineers that are, are just winning some really serious, awesome business and uh, onto good things. So again, that's again, automation because it's trying to do that much more effectively and safer on, a, on scaling um, drones at a site and doing it remotely, but ultimately it still has to be built by, you know, rock solid engineers and, and a good team of people. I don't know if that makes sense, but it absolutely does people the core of people building stuff and creating something ultimately the end users is going to you know aren't going to know what's going on but ultimately it's got to be built by a rock solid team that believe in where you want to go with your business i think that's such a powerful comment john it's really it's really great for someone that's working in this accelerator you know both tech and non-tech space because you know what what i'm seeing certainly across my network and you know from from connecting with people like you john is that there really is this mass awakening unfolding over the last couple of years of actually exactly what you spoke to which is it's not just about the process the process is there to serve humans doing great work yep and so, so in terms of some of your biggest learnings what if how have you grown as john throughout some of these sort of mentoring relationships what are the sort of some what, what sort of buzz do you get how, what fuels your energy when dealing with these uh, startups and, and these mentoring capacity i mean to me it's the story the people 
um, the passion for what they're trying to solve. Like, again, as I said, in this most recent cohort, like, again, the, or even a woman that's, you know, doing uh, nannies, you know, focus on nannies and parent care and, and a company called My Tamarin, Zaria is amazing. And she, you know, she talks about how it's been tough as a parent to, it's a 24 hour seven job. And she's, you know, set up a, a, a really good platform for, both nannies that have been screened well and parents who can trust that and who get long-term nannies. And she's created a, you know, a, a, a nanny care play. Um, what do you call it? Um, John, John blank on a, a bit of a brain. Um, forget, but anyway, she's, she's awesome. And she's, she's very passionate about it. She's a skier from background. She's a professional skier. So again, believing in the entrepreneurs or there's other companies that have done, you know, food and wine business called noir. Again, it's believing in them and, and, supporting them and and seeing their passion for things like look some of these aren't going to be you know look who knows how any big any how big any of these businesses are but over time to me it's believing in the in especially in early early and early um early stage entrepreneurs and businesses it's believing in the people because ultimately they don't generate revenue and as i always say to them in, in a joke is like don't focus on revenue Obviously, revenue is a nice thing, meaning when you model things, ultimately, you have to run your business because it's unfocused on cost because that's how long you have until the next fundraising. Ultimately, if you generate revenue faster than you think, obviously, that's a great thing. But, you know, you only can control your costs early on. You can't control your revenue. So that's another thing I focus on. Or another company that you know that I've been a massive believer in and supporter of is a test and Jeremy mm -hmm. King. And... Um, it's just an awesome, and Tony are just two amazing entrepreneurs that I met three or four years ago, and I just knew that they were onto something big, and they've created a phenomenal team at a test, and the culture there is amazing, and the people are phenomenal, and you know, it's one of my most favorite companies that I've interacted with over the number of years, and that's a testament to Jeremy and what I believed in and what I saw, and you know, they've done phenomenally well, and they're now looking to expand into the U.S., so um, I think it's, you know, in summary, it's like the entrepreneurs, their mission, vision, what they want to do again, how I can help them, um, and also where they want to go. And again, as I said, some of them, I love to be along the journey early on. And look, if it doesn't, you know, if they don't want me on for longer then as an advisor, as a mentor or whatever, then I'll just cheerlead from the side and support and open doors as and when I see a fit. Well, honestly, it, it, it's so lovely to hear you speaking so passionately, John, because the, the word you've used more than any other word for me so far is belief, belief in the people, <laughs> belief in the product. But it's, I find it interesting because within the world of work that I experience personally, but also my network, people don't give themselves permission to slow down to believe. I feel so, some people are so reactive, just dealing with the day to day, you know, reacting to what's coming up, you know, in front of them. How do people in these startup sort of um, accelerators prioritize staying connected to that purpose or that meaning for, for why they exist? How do they stay focused? I think... I mean, look, I, you, as you see in some of these accelerators, companies generally will change and there's, you know, they always come in with an early admission early on and then things kind of slightly tweak, which is good because in, in a good example of in the Techstars program, all the accelerators that they have across the globe, each program has a hundred mentors. So you get distracted and confused. And as I always say to all the companies, I say, look, there's amazing mentors here and everybody's got advice and, you know, believe what, listen to what you think, but look, don't let it completely distract you and stick to what you want to do. Um, so again, I think, these companies will generally have their core mission, but there will there'll be some tweaks and changes along the way that, um, that, you know, that makes sense for them to, to change. But ultimately, uh, you know, they don't, I, I hope they don't get distracted completely because it can be, can be daunting and, and you hear a hundred different opinions and you're like, which way am I going to go? And 
I think the most important advice I always give is look, as I said to any of the companies, I'm just honest. And if people don't like it, that's okay. Um, and I, the only thing I don't profess to be is a tech person. So looking at it. And some of this is, as you know, Gary's just common sense. Like, look, love these companies. It's just generally they're so, so lost in the weeds. Sometimes they can't see the forest from the trees. And sometimes, you know, like a good example, Zari and I will go for a walk and we just talk. And it's like from my Tamarin. And as I said, she was, yeah, she was creating a nanny academy, which is amazing. But she and I go for a walk and it's just like, just talk about things and, you know, what's bugging her and just a sanity check. Check in. How can I help? what's working, what's not working. Um, or others, there's other companies that like just they want to check in, you know, for 10 minutes every day. And I'm like, Oh, that's okay. Like if that helps, that helps. Um, you know, whatever works, I'm pretty easy. And if it's not working, then that's okay too. I don't know if that answers your question, but, um, it, 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 it does, John. And I love that. It's not because what I'm taking away from that is that part of your role is actually just creating that sort of space just to reflect, slow down, you know, just take in where you're at. Yeah. I think, I think that's a really powerful intervention at times. Yeah. And, and look, it's, it's, and it's sometimes it's like sitting down and doing whiteboarding. It's sometimes it's doing, going through a model and other times it's doing other things, but sometimes it's just stepping back and saying, look, is this working? Is this not working? How can I help? Or like there's companies that are a company called Vitru, which is just two awesome, Vitru Health, two awesome, well, three awesome, well, five awesome people, but the two <laughs> are fantastic. And I, and they've been a part of this current program and they're just, they're creating a, an assessment for multi-skeletal um, conditions because currently there's nothing for, for physiotherapists. And, you know, like as I said to them, when I met them, I love what they're doing because I've been through a lot of health stuff. And I said, look, I'll open doors, but like they don't profess to be certain things, but they're great at building tech. They're great at, at medical stuff. They're great at, at just an awesome user interface. Um, and just other things, it's just been a sanity check and to watch them put their heads down, as I said to them for a couple of weeks, just put your heads down and build the tech. And they've just built an awesome piece of tech and demo day last week. I think they, they nailed it. They were, um, as did every, all 10 of the companies. And I always will say, I love all 10 of them, but, um, just as I talk about Vitru, I think they, um, uh, have a lot of respect and credit for what they've done and they're I believe in what they're trying to solve and they make sense. And I made some intros and people were pretty impressed. Again, it's a lot of, it's early for these companies. So again, as I said, originally, it's like believing as I, as I keep saying, believing, but it's believing in, in the, the entrepreneurs, the mission. And the thing I love about them is generally they're sponges. So they're, they listen, they write. Um, again, I don't profess to be smarter than anybody else. It's just, I've seen a lot of things and having mentored 50 to hundred companies over the last three, four years. So, um, yeah, it's been fun. Like it, I can talk about a lot of things. It's been fun in general. And again, it's, it's, uh, it's the people in the tech and, and, I don't know, just, it really comes down to belief and I'm a massive supporter of the companies that I've been working with and I will always vouch for them. Amazing. Amazing. I just love that diversity of your, your experience. And just to come on to, you, you spoke again like, around the health side. So I really appreciate yeah. you being open to, to have that conversation yeah. with it being sort of, you know, value through vulnerability. Do you mind speaking a little bit to, so you mentioned about the sort of rare, rare disease survivor. Do you mind speaking to that a little bit? How did that come about for you, John? Absolutely. So, um, I'm 43 now. I was born with a rare disease, a blood disorder, which I only was diagnosed at six, which my dad had as well. Um, and you roll forward. I had sinus surgery. And it's, look, it's, it's a manageable blood disorder, but it's just a bit of a pain in the behind because um, I need to be preventative when I have surgeries and accidents and stuff. Um, but ultimately, in, when I, in 2000, December of 2009, I was diagnosed with a heart defect, which I had no idea because I'd run marathons, Ironman, triathlons, all that kind of stuff. And I was due to have sinus surgery. So they cleared me, had sinus surgery. And then 
Gary, as you know, my background is distressed debt, which I've been doing for 20 years. And at the time, I felt like a distressed asset because I was told that I had a heart defect, which needed to be closed. Otherwise, I would have died in my 40s. And this was nine years ago. Mm-hmm. So I did a whole lot of research. I saw two doctors in London. I saw nine in your 10 in New York, one in Boston. They were all, but I think it comes back to, it's actually an interesting point because it just made me think about it. They treated me like I was a number, not a human. Mm-hmm. And it felt to me like a factory and just rather cookie cutter. Whereas if you do the math, there was about 120 to 240 Americans with my blood disorder and heart defect at the time. So I ended up at the Cleveland clinic and the heart surgeon, who's now the CEO of the hospital, a guy named Tomislav Mahalovich was like, I've seen a case like yours. It's very rare. Let's do this. And I said, so I, I saw him in March and I had open heart surgery in May of 2010. So March 10 surgery, May of 2010. And he gave me full clearance in October of 2010 and ran the New York marathon in three and a half hours for the rare disease community organization, which I'm on the board of called Ben's friends. So what it does is we create online support communities for people with rare diseases globally. And we have about 150,000 members and Again, it's all about connecting, you know, you and me sitting in different locations. I'm diagnosed with, let's just say, my heart defect. I'm scared. You welcome me. You make me feel like I'm not alone anymore. And it becomes your next. It's like, look, I'm not a big fan of Facebook. It becomes your next. It's almost your lifeline on a daily basis to connect with people just like you, sharing your worst experiences of the day because of how you feel because of your condition. Many of these are lifelong conditions. And I'm not sure if you know, but there's like, 7,000 rare diseases in the world and probably 300 million people at least globally living with one. Wow. So the numbers are massive. Um, it's something I've been very passionate about. I was actually diagnosed with another rare, I was diagnosed with a rare skin condition, which I, I tried, I bought a lottery ticket that they didn't win, but anyway. <laughs> um, but look, I, my, I sounds worse, but like I, when I look relative to all the people I've met and interacted with, that have rare diseases, my, my condition, my three conditions are nothing compared to what these people are going through. And I have a lot of empathy and I, I just feel for them. And, you know, the, the community stuff is, it, it's a small kind of thing that, that helps them through their day. And if that's a good thing, then that's great. And I love it. And um, I'm very um, grateful that Ben from Ben's friends, a guy named Ben Munoz brought me in because he survived and that's what started the whole thing. So it's been a, a fun journey. Um, it's global and it's enabled me to meet a lot of amazing people going through rare diseases. Um, that it's, look, it's everybody, look, many people will will interact with other people going through something similar. So it's, um, it's been an interesting journey and look, it's not over. And I'm, you know, look, I think the Ben's friends thing is quite powerful. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. And we'll make sure there's a, there's some links to uh, Ben's friend as part of the show notes as well. Um, One of the words you spoke to there, which I think is so powerful, uh, John was community. Actually having that safe community to have that conversation. That's so, so powerful. It's true. I I think that's the one thing that, and I I give Ben a lot of credit for because when you log in as a community member, you never, give up your full name because people want to be protected. And we never, we've never, we've always been passionate about, we've been approached by people about people's data. We've mm-hmm. never sold data. We've always kept it tight and we've made it so that people are anonymous. And it's like me, if I, if I met you on the community, it would be just John and Gary or whatever you wanted to make it so that nobody can find your data. Because again, these are people telling pretty heartfelt stories about some pretty serious stuff. Um, and we wrote a book actually probably, 10, maybe eight years ago about people just telling their stories and we did a PDF on it and it was pretty amazing because people found it cathartic about everything and they just threw it on a page and same thing. It's like, we just want to protect people and, and make it safe and secure. 
Um, and I think there's a lot of organizations trying to do community stuff, and I, I think it's important. It's, I think a great example is the girls that, that I was saying mentioned earlier, the on girls doing biodegradable and organic tampons. It's, it's not just that; it's about health and wellness business, creating a community about you know a woman's whole cycle, and meaning from you know early on to 15 till probably 60. And that is a you know that's something that you and I should know about, whether we have daughters or, or f female friends or or wives or partners but also females should know about. So, it, and it shouldn't be like, you know, something that's not talked about. So I think what they're doing is amazing. I think the food and wine people from Noir to try and create a, you know, a really cool culinary gastronomy experience through community. So you're right, like community stuff, if, if when done right, can be very, very powerful and very, very um, inclusive and encouraging and supportive. So I, look, I'm, I'm very blessed that kind of Ben's friends taught me that early on and been able to I've been able to kind of replicate that or at least pass on my what I've seen works um, to other organizations it's, it's lovely I've actually been part of um, a separate community movement uh, John over the last few months called humans first which by definition you know you, you see what it's, it means but it's been incredible to actually virtually meet you know sort of 20 30 people every week and just literally you can you can sense and see how people can drop to a much more human level much more quickly yeah. when people feel that they belong Agree. 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really powerful. Um, you mentioned about you doing your ultras and your, um, your marathon running. And I think it, it's so amazing that you went from, you know, having your surgery to running the New York, York marathon within six months, John, like, was that part of your recovery for you? Was that just, was it just, I mean, it, look, it's, I've always been a driven, determined person like, like my father, which again, I've, I, he, I lost him three and a half years ago to Alzheimer's, which again, I, I have a lot of empathy for people going through that with, with relatives and parents and family friends. Um, um, but he, like, I don't know. I, I, I guess you, I'm like, I think I always viewed him as like, built like a cock, you know, um, resilient, like a cockroach. You can't crush him. Same thing. It's like, you just got to bounce back and get on with it. And um, look, I don't know. I just plowed on and got, got through it. And it, 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 I think the thing that I've always used the, the marathons and the races for is to raise money for charity. I mean, I, a good example is when I moved over here in 01, I did the New York London triathlon. I can't swim for to save my life. I used bank on the, the buoyancy in the, in the wetsuit. And I was about halfway through struggling. And um, my cousin was in a car accident many, many years ago and ultimately died. Um, but it was all about spinal injuries. And I, I raised money for spinal. And I was like, look, deal with it, John, get on with it. So I just put my head down and finished because again, it was, it was all about the charity stuff and no different than when I ran the New York marathon. When I did, um, after my dad passed away, I, I, I did three, uh, two half Ironman and a triathlon in three consecutive weekends, which most people would probably found stupid, but it was more about, um, I don't know, it's just something I had to do and, and raise money for Alzheimer's. And, um, I felt somewhat of a connection to my father there and a kind of a weird, I'm not a very, I'm not a religious person, but more of a, uh, I don't know, it was just one of those kind of weird moments. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to do it. And every time I've done races, pretty much every year, I've always tried to raise money for, for charities, whether it's Ben's friends or others, um, again, giving back. And that's kind of also what gets, makes me focused and kind of get through them because I never, I don't swim train for races, period. I just rock up. So uh, yeah, no, it's determination, resilience. Um, my father, um, kind of ingrained it in my head without actually doing much, just watching him as an example. Amazing. Amazing. Um, in, in terms of, there's another company that you do some work with, I believe, is it Job Lab? Uh, yeah, Job Lab. Yeah, of course. 
I, I really, I really, could you mind speaking about what they do a little bit? Because I, I was looking into them. They seem to be, is it something around democratizing recruitment or? Yeah, what they're trying to do is a guy named Aiden Kramer, a lovely guy who, on a funny note to the mentoring point, he just connected with me on LinkedIn through a mutual connection and said, look, would you invest? And I said, look, I, I, I don't know you from a hole in the wall. So I never invested, but it was more about he and I met up. We met up and we met up once a week, every Thursday. And what they do is they're, trying to get kids coming out of college hired faster than ever before using a platform. Whereas before you'd have to use a recruiter or find it very painful. And so they work are basically connecting employers to, to kids coming out of college. And I think the, the numbers were, they were able to get people hired in a few weeks rather than months. Um, and also just make the whole experience significantly better for kids coming out of college. And initially they're focused on SDRs. So sales, sales direct reps um, to, um, get them hired coming out of college, but ultimately go, go bigger than that and go after other you know parts of the hiring, whether it's engineers. Um, and the thing I love about Aiden is he's, he's smart, he's proactive, he listens, he's a really solid guy, he's a young guy, but a hardworking guy, um, good team there. Um, so in terms of like, look, it's again, it's getting kids hired out of college faster than ever before and um, democratizing that whole system and, and making it just, and also I think the one thing that I really quite liked one thing I thought about the platform, which I thought was quite cool, is they have like a 30 second video as a student. You put your video up there and uh, it makes you, you know, the employer can screen quicker, at least get a sense for what the person's about. The other thing that they found, which was pretty interesting, was once they gamified it for the students, the usage went up from like 15% interaction to like 70, 80% interaction because every time you interacted, you got like a, a token and ultimately enough tokens, you could put them out. So if you got a job interview, you got a token. If you had an email, you got a job interview. If you didn't email, then you, then you lost them. So kind of a clever way to make interaction and make it much more interesting. And also as you know, college kids are always looking for money. So that's a way for them to get something out of the whole experience as well. Um, but yeah, no, really just a solid person. And, and it's been a real pleasure working with him and his team. I think that's I met cool. him in March. Yeah, he's a good guy. And how could, you know, if anybody's listening to us now and they're thinking, oh, my God, this John guy sounds fascinating. He's really interesting. You know, are you open for further mentorships or how do people engage with you? I'll happily interact with anybody. I'm pretty open. Yeah, I'm just pretty open, pretty honest. People have found me in random ways. I've And I've been a mentor in other programs, one in the U.S. virtually, actually two in the U.S. virtually, and one in Germany virtually. And then there's another one I've just been asked to do virtually. I don't even know where it is. I think they're based between Asia and the UN London, but um, I don't know. People just find me. So yeah, I'm happy to LinkedIn, email, whatever. Pretty easy. Fantastic. Well, I'll make sure we add those all to the show notes. And just as we, as just as we wrap up, John, yeah. um, I'd like to ask this question because like, you're a very inspiring uh, person for me personally, but what's inspiring you right now? And it doesn't have to be a person. It can be anything, but I'm just wondering within your peripheral vision, who or what is inspiring you as John the most right now? Who's inspiring me? Um, I think I've been inspired by the, this recent cohort of working with entre the entrepreneur the group that I worked with. Um, I think they're just really, uh, really, really solid individuals that have really interesting stories, come from different backgrounds, who just put their head down and got stuff done. There's another, another on a similar vein in this current program that was in last year's program, this Techstars cohort, but in last year's cohort, um, a company called Pesky Fish, a guy named Ben, Ben King, who's a phenomenal entrepreneur, just a rock solid person. And, and ultimately, the reason I mentioned is I, I love what, what somebody like him is doing is he's trying to 
I think the best way to describe it is if you bought fish and, and whole foods today, it's probably 20 days old. What they've figured out is a way to get access to fishermen, ports, rail, and get fish into central London in six hours. So they're providing probably some of the best, fi freshest fish into central London. Both restaurants are happy because they're getting the best quality fish. And fishermen are happy because, you know, as you know, they're on, on boats risking their lives, are getting the best prices they've ever seen thanks to the, the, the phenomenal work that Ben and, and his team are doing at Pesky. And it's, it's, it's all about sustainability. It's all about, you know, what's best for the environment, trying to fish certain fish and not other fish. Um, it's I just those kind of things. Those stories are, you know, look, who knows in life where is it? Is it blockchain? Is it crypto? I could care less. Like those stories are much more inspiring to me because, again, it's people from real, really passionate who understand that whole pain point. who are just trying to make it more efficient, more effective, make the whole experience better. Like Ben's providing the best fish. He's supplying six, 60 of the top restaurants in central London with fish. Um, he's getting approached all over the place. They're working with ports now. I mean, it's just awesome. Or the, or the on girls or the Vitru team or the food and wine or the, my Tam like the, the, the list goes on. Um, those kind of people that kind of just put their heads down and get stuff done or, or even guys, these really amazing gaming guys doing a, a platform that you can create, you know, you can basically visualize any object you want. Um, called anything world are just they just put their heads down get work done they don't complain they're just solid individuals so again those kind of people kind of get me excited every day um and just hearing them and, and having good interactions with them and and you know like last last thursday when i was at demo day just i'm just proud like having i'm so proud of them they've worked really hard and you know Eamon carrie and marco Shazan and, and the team at Techstars have, have done a phenomenal job getting them from point A to point B. And now they're, you know, kind of set them free, if you will. Um, so, yeah, that, I think, I mean, like, I mean, I'm in, am I inspired by them? Yeah, I think they're pretty inspirational people that have put their heads down and sol are solving some interesting problems and are working really hard to do it um, and, no, and not complaining. So I, I have a lot of respect for that. That's amazing. And just, just, just as a curious question from my side, John, before we go, of those, of all those amazing projects you've just mentioned, how many of them have a strong tech element? Are they, are they all got a strong tech element to solve the some problem? Some are more tech. -er, some have got more tech than others. Um, like obviously Pesky's, he, you can, a good example is he's made it so that the restaurants can see what's coming in today and roughly the projections for the next five days of fish which is amazing. So you're sitting at a Michelin star restaurant in Spendalon and you, the chef can decide what's going, what you think you want in the next couple of days. So that's quite tech savvy. So they're trying to make that much more efficient, streamline the whole operations of the process. Um, trying to think um, the anything world guys, again, that's very tech, very tech because they're building a platform um, and they're doing some really cool stuff with Ubisoft and some other uh, pretty interesting music label. Um, trying to think the, biodegradable or campons yeah it's it's about sustainability eco they're, they're actually on a clever note they've created the first box that'll be carbon positive um so again thinking outside of the box and trying to be clever and um some of that's online and so it's just tech i mean there's a bit of there's elements some are a bit more techy than others but um to me that doesn't uh, to me it's all about the, i still come back to the point of believing in them and the mission and where they want to go and I think that's also for any of your viewer, listeners that are um, investors or angel investors, that's also what seed investing is or, or, or early stage companies is you've got to believe in the people um, and kind of where they want to go and the opportunity there, because look, the numbers are, who knows, like it's so early in their journey. Um, but again, I, you know, coming out of this program has been amazing. 
interesting. Like seeing where they are, where they came in, where they are, where they want to go is pretty awesome. Like there's another one that's doing a, a traveling cat. So it's like the Tooth Fairy meets Santa Claus and a traveling cat for kids between four and eight called Banjo Robinson. And, you know, Kate's amazing. She's raised money. She raises a seven-figure number. And, you know, she's off to the races. So, look, I think they're all in a really cool place. And, um, again, some of that's tech because, you know, got to make it online and, and um, making the note sending more efficient. But, look, they're all – there's derivations. It's, look, I think a different way to answer the question is it's not fintech, which is very tech-heavy. But it's somewhere between light touch to heavier touch, if you will. It's you've really inspired me this morning, John, because I've I don't I've not had too many conversations like this, and you're giving me so much hope because my personal belief is that technology is there to help us be more human, and you've totally brought that to life for me today. <laughs> Thanks. Okay, I appreciate that. Thanks, Gary, and and Gary, really appreciate you taking me on, and and. Uh, it's been an enjoyable conversation and I have a massive amount of respect for what you're doing and, and uh, where you've come along in your career. When I, when I met you, I don't know, it must've been a couple of months ago when we had our first conversation. Absolutely. Well, look, let's keep in touch, John. Thanks so much for your time. Absolutely. And thank you, audience. Take care. Take care. Bye. Hi there, welcome back again. Just Gary Turner, your host of this podcast, Value Through Vulnerability. I really do hope that you found um, that conversation as sensational as I found it. I just took away so many learning um, moments uh, to coin Gary Ridge. Um, I just want to share a few of the biggest takeaways for me in case that's helpful for you, the listener. And thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. When John spoke about the fact that I don't think it's that hard to manage people, I just think you have to figure out what drives them, what excites them, and get under there and be human. How often do we, as leaders, as individuals, within our own lives personally or, or at work, how often do we actually take the time to genuinely try and figure out what does drive somebody else, what excites them, maybe what challenges them, you know, and what is it that they, they care about the most, their values, their purpose? I know I don't do that enough with, uh, with people as much as I try. Um, I just really, really enjoyed that provocation from John. I also enjoyed hearing John speak about the fact that community stuff, when done right, can be very, very powerful and very, very inclusive and, and encouraging and supportive. And I mentioned it in the conversation, but I want to mention it again now, is that the human's first community that's evolved under the leadership of Mike Vacanti and others over the last 12 months is certainly one of the communities that's been completely self-organized without any cost, without any intention other than connecting on a deeply human level. And the relationships that are being built on and offline through that is absolutely incredible. And that, you know, the purpose, the mission of that now has been clarified with Mike recently, which is to open hearts and multiply impact. So we can only do that in community together. So I really love that comment from, from John, and please do reach out to myself or Mike if you want to have a conversation about the Humans First discussions that happen every Friday and every Monday. I also enjoyed hearing John speak about the fact that he used the word belief or believe so many times, more than I've probably heard it in any other conversation that I've ever been either involved with or heard somebody else having. And I love the fact he spoke about believing in the entrepreneurs, believing in their vision. The thing that he loves about them is that they are sponges that they absorb, that they're smart, you know, they're proactive, they listen. I just, I'm just wondering, if you're listening to this conversation, if you're listening to these reflections I'm offering right now, 
are you still a sponge? Are you still in a high growth mindset? Or are you cruising to your retirement? Are you just okay with the status quo? And there's no judgment in that, although it can sound like that. If it works for you, that's great. But are you showing up in your fullest, even if you are there on terms that you're happy with? Or are you wearing a lot of armour and hiding a lot of you hiding a lot of you away? I just think there's just something really powerful in that sponge metaphor. You know, whatever we're doing, I talk about enrichment a lot over advancement because a lot of structures are so narrow now, they're so um, lean. It's difficult to have advancement up the ladder um, these days, but we can always enrich our roles. We can self-organise around that, we can iterate around that, we can experiment. I'm just wondering if that resonates with you as a comment. I'd love to hear from you. And it also made me think about um, my good friend Mike Vacanti and his new book, Believership, that's just coming out. You know, this word believe is so, so powerful. I think it does link also a lot to energy. Um, again, a book with another good friend of mine, Perry Tim's uh, book comes out, I believe, next year, where he's speaking a lot towards energy. I loved hearing as well about the two women that are doing a business around biodegradable and organic tampons called On. What a wonderful, wonderful name for a business in your face, direct and to the point, purposeful around what they're trying to do. I just love that. I just think it's such a such a, a wonderful, bold and clear mission, which I'm sure that any of the people they recruit can buy into and align with. And finally, I really wanted to share something around the cultural element, where John spoke so passionately early on in this conversation that early on you have to get the culture right. And it makes me think about my day job, my, my work organisation. It makes me think about many people in my network. When these organisations, these big organisations that are now three billion, like my organisation, or other ones worth twenty billion, how, how much and how truthfully are the values, the culture lived and breathed by the majority of the people, and indeed by the leaders within those organisations, or has it begun, or has unfortunately, the myopic focus on metrics and short-termism and shareholder value, taken over that ability and that interest? For everybody to really bring their heart and mind to it and not just their hands. And I think the last thing I want to mention is that when John said ultimately it's going to ultimately it is still businesses, product, going to be built by people. It's still got to be people that are passionate about a vision, mission, and where they're going as a business. So my summary takeaway from this conversation was someone that deal with distressed debt in the financial sector, someone that deals with startups, mentoring the next generation of leaders. The future of work, as is right now, is human. And it always makes me think back to my conversation with Richard Gerver during my Have Courage Summit, which you can contact, which you can find on my website, the listening organization, one word.co.uk. It's completely free, a 23 embedded interview, Have Courage Summit. He spoke about his conversation, Richard Gerver, with Barack Obama, when he said pretty much all of the challenges we're all dealing with are human. We like to call them technical, process or whatever, but they're always human. There's a human element that is causing the blockage and there's also a human element that can unblock it. So until next time, I really hope this conversation has been served you. I love, I've been loving getting to know John. I'm really hoping I get to see him before the end of 2019. And we would love to hear from you should any of this resonate or indeed if you've got any challenges. And until episode 82 of the podcast, I'm Gary Turner, your host. And again, you can find me at thelisteningorganisation.co.uk on Twitter, on LinkedIn, and I hope to hear from you soon. Take care.